I try not to be anti-WSL. I'm, I'm just pro-competitive surfing being as good as possible. And this was professional surfing at its highest level being as good as possible. Like, 100% this is like, this is the shit that everybody wants to watch. Anybody that, like, people can still have the opinion that, like, yeah, it won't produce legitimate world champions. And that's fine. That's You can have that opinion. But not a single person walked away from genuinely watching Finals Day and being a pro surfing fan and had anything overtly negative to say about it. Welcome to The Drop. My name is Danny Johnson. This week on the show, we have Brendan Buckley, like we always do, to talk about the week in surfing. And that's going to be followed by Stab Cusp, which will be breaking down a huge day in professional surfing, the first ever world title surf day. An experiment from the WSL, and it's an experiment that completely worked. I haven't spoken to a single person who did enjoy enjoy the, the shit out of it. So well done to the WSL. Uh, there's been a lot of changes in recent years. They've basically completely reconfiguring the entire tour, but the surf off for the final was one of the biggest changes and it would seem as if they completely nailed that, but it's the end of competitive, competitive surfing for the year. And that's another huge change. Previously, there wasn't really an off season. It was a tiny one from Christmas to snapper, but this year it's a bit longer. So rest up pro surfy boys and girls or, or maybe even quit like, like most of you are. If you want to skip the whimsical nonsense that Buck and I garble on about and you want to just get straight to the deep tour anal analysis of Mike and Stace, then skip forward to about 33 or 35 minutes or so. Uh, for the rest of you, let's chat to Big Dick Power Surfer. Oh, and one last thing, the soundbite is back. Someone complained about the soundbite, the, that's only the half of it. It's actually Gidget, the original surfer from the TV. And um, yeah, someone complained about it, but then someone else said that they liked it and missed it. So now it's back. Uh, I'll give I'll give what it, people whatever they want. So please write in if you hate it or if you like it, Danny at stabmag.com. It's statistical. I'll just, you know, whatever the numbers say will be whether or not the sound, sound bite stays. Or it, potentially if you have the skills, then send in some sound bites. I'm sure there's some people out there that listen that have sound skills, sonic capabilities. So yeah, please send in any sound bites if you want it. Oh my goodness. Did you wake up at an ungodly hour to check any of it out? I certainly didn't. Sam McIntosh, who's <laughs> owner of Stab, he he had a little party a couple of hours from where I was and, and Ronnie Blakey was there and he was actually doing like, a, he was hosting it kind of live even though it was a live event and there was a bunch of other people wow. um, there. It sounded like the best time ever. But uh, fun, funnily enough, it didn't sound better than sleep for me. So I, I brushed that and then I, I woke up at five in the morning, which is not early at all given the given that the comp had been running for, you know, over five hours at that point. And I just had to scramble and catch up. Like I read Mikey Saramella's live blog, which was detailing what happened in every heat, which was on Stabmag and stabmag.com. And, and, and I just tried to play catch up from there and got to watch the, the finals. But yeah, I wasn't the dedicated surf fan that I maybe thought I was going to be. How, how was your experience? It was great. I thought I was going to run super late in the night for me, but it wrapped by like midnight. Like I think I was actually in a pretty ideal place for it. Mm. Looking back, like it was the end of my day. So I kind of just got to chill and watch it all night. Like 
it was it was awesome. It was the first time I watched a surf contest. Like, you know how most of the time you're kind of looking at the heat draw and you you know you have other things to do and you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to go to the supermarket during this heat <laughs> or sneak a quick surf in here. It was You couldn't do that at all. Yeah. Like every single heat you had to just be right there for and paying close attention. Like I, I literally have never watched a surf contest where I'm glued for seven hours. And that was the case there, which was absolutely a first for me. Like, I think France was the ultimate there. time zone. Oh, we, I was talking with some friends about how much we would just do anything to be able to watch this comp, drink a bunch of beers in the afternoon and, and just make a full event of it. But uh, yeah, you were, you were in the time zone to do that. We weren't. Um, I do want to say I went out on a limb last week. I feel like I risked my reputation, my, my career, everything by making the bold claim that Gabriel Medina would win. Uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming at all with the year he's had. And so a little bit of credit to me there for risking it all on that call. Did you put your money where your mouth is? Did you win some cash? I didn't. I hate betting on favorites. I really do. Oh, yeah. I, There's not much to gain. I was looking at it. Yeah, I, I didn't put anything down. Hey, you know um, what? Last week you were. I was scrambling to try and come up with these scenarios where Medina wouldn't win. And you were like, he's definitely going to win. People are just trying to come up with excuses. And I ended up conceding. And I was like, yeah, you're right. He's probably going to win. But then I thought about it afterwards. He's completely blown massive leads. And he did it against Kai Belly in, in where he could have pretty much wrapped up the event in Portugal. And then he lost to, he lost to Italo in the final of Pipeline in 2019. And then he lost to the, in the semis of the Olympics. So he's got chinks in that armor. And he wasn't, I mean, he obviously thought he was unbeatable and it turns out he was. But yeah, I, I can't believe I didn't even pick up last week on your completely flawed logic that he, he's, there's no chance he'll ever melt under pressure. Well, I also just want to say, for the record, I don't think I got the blimp call wrong necessary, mm-hmm. necessarily. I mean, the shark in the final. I know. It's, it's so, it's, uh, it's, I, I picked up on that straight away as well. Universal Studios is just down the road. They've got those leftover shark props from the Jaws movies. It's pretty obvious what they did there. They just pumped one of those things out into the lineup, got a little bit of hysteria going. And then uh, resume the calm. I went. I went on Google News and just searched WSL Shark the next day, and there were quite a few non-endemic uh, media outlets mm. that worked the word shark into their titles in the coverage of the event. So, yeah. I sharks are pretty much blimps. They're similar shape. I think do blimps have fins? I want blimps to have fins. I don't think they do, but yeah, they're similar. They're almost identical. Enough. Sharks are closer yeah. to blimps than they are dolphins. Absolutely. Dolphins have that curve. Yep. Blimps and sharks are very like a big, great white, mm-hmm. you know? It's pretty much a blimp. Well, that's only the half Another big story this week, a story that grabbed the internet by storm is some surfboard theft in Portugal. Yes, huge story. Huge story. It worked its way onto the Stab Instagram with a really compelling piece of content, which was a guy getting slapped in the face. Beautiful. He opens up the back of this tour bus uh, where they find the stolen surfboards. This is a local 
Portuguese man and then he turns to the German theft and gives him a big open palm slap. You take the box out. And as the story evolved, they, I mean, when you steal, you should get in trouble with the law. But I guess something happened where that video leaked and somehow that got them out of legal trouble. This seems to me to be unrelated. I don't know how any slap in the face. Like, is this just, is this Portuguese law? You can just go do whatever you want. As long as somebody slaps you in the face after you're like, just, it's okay. I don't, I don't get that aspect. I didn't even question it. It kind of has the rhythm of something that makes sense where, you know, all legal things and, and public, I don't know, this or that. And so I was like, oh, that makes sense. But you're right. That doesn't make any sense at all. You can't just commit a murder or film it and then and you know, get out of it. It's Yeah, you just get slapped and it's like, okay, well, clearly we can't, you know, punish this guy now. Like, I don't get that aspect. Mm. Did, you, did you read how they're doing it though? Uh, yeah, I did. It's a pretty basic trick. So my understanding is they would distract the shop attendee. So it was a group operation. I think there was four German tourists that were beginner surfers and they decided they wanted surfboards. And despite their luxurious 30-foot trailer that they were traveling around in, they d- didn't want to spend money on surfboards. So they would distract the shop owner and then the, the one of the other friends would just grab boards and just walk on out the store. That is just crazy to me. Mm. Takes a lot of confidence. I know. Like you said, like it, it's they had a big RV. Didn't know that they were struggling on money. No, it's uh, it was such a such a heavy uh, and really brutal thing to to do. Um, and then that's and that was the outpouring on online. Is every single comment on Stab's Instagram was really positive. There was even. Shane Dorian on there that was he was he wanted a bigger beat down and, and then there was every other list of pro surfer that was commenting and, and unanimous uh, celebration. And I, I think we all like to think that when we don't condone violence, but I think the truth is we all condone violence if we feel like the crime is warranted. And I guess the unanimous decision here was that it was. Well, let's be honest. The guy I guess, you know, in Portuguese law, if you get slapped, then you're no longer big, can be tried for anything. But <laughs> in my opinion, the guy played that so well. Because, like, imagine if there's a video of these guys getting jumped, you know, on the ground, kicked in the face, shit like that. Nobody would feel good about that. Mm. But, like, a good slap like that, yeah. you know, you know it's not going to cause any long-term damage. You know it's just probably hurt it's probably embarrassing more than anything yes there's like something it, so nice about seemed, a slap yeah it was beautiful this yeah. this guy is he just nailed it mm. perfectly hard enough not too hard like i said didn't get bloody or anything like that it was really really well done by him yeah and i guess the public exposure is going to ruin these guys's public reputation i think it's going to ruin actually all german surfers their, their reputation is is going to be toast for a long time now. I mean, Hitler's been dead for 70 years and I still mention his name daily, you know, so I, I can only imagine this is going to really hurt Germ- the German people. I mean, I don't know if they have that many surfers. I know they have that inland lake, but oh, yeah. You would be surprised. You oh, would really? be surprised. 
Oh my God. This is, um, I don't know if maybe there's like a holidays there in September or something, but like a lot of, this is like the month that a lot of Germans hit the coast, like all over Portugal, all over France, the whole like last Renaissance here, you're hearing German everywhere. This is like, this is their time in huh. Europe to go around and get waves. Wow. Like a ton of them. And There's boys. a ton of German surfers. There's a German surf magazine, I'm pretty sure. No way. I'm almost positive. Huh. Oh, so wow. yeah, they just they go, they get waves, they they steal boards. It's great. Shit. I, I, we Yeah. I mean there's there's I've met some lovely German surfers who don't rob Portuguese surf shops and get slapped in the face though. I've met some lovely people. No, 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 no. We don't have time for individual no, no. character uh, interpretation here. We need to just group people, profile them, and and hate collectively. Germans are, are not welcome in the surf anymore. They can't be trusted. <laughs> All right, you're right. I, I spoke out of line there. You're yeah. right. You're right. Speaking of, of some different surf cultures, another big story this week, was a sup parade, stand-up paddle parade in Moscow, Russia, which was one of the most beautiful things that <laughs> I've seen in some time. It was a work of art, really. What? So I did not see this. I guess it's been a busy week. We've had the WSL finals. Where did where did this show up? Was this on Stab site? It was on Stab site. I mean, we unfortunately did not – we weren't working with the event advertisers in advance to get a crew on the ground to cover it, but – at some point, we found these images, I guess it was last weekend, of, I mean, just just think about it. If you haven't seen these images yet, you're having a sup parade in Moscow. What do you think that's going to look like? Yeah, I know what it there looks like. There was fucking... I can see it. Yeah. There's werewolves. There's people on jetpacks. And there's fairies. There's just madness. And it was, was it about supping? Was that what they were so happy about? I think, yeah, they just wanted to get out there and celebrate a love for stand-up paddling. That's, it's such a weird thing to be happy about. Like I get, I get how um, there's gay and lesbian Mardi Gras, these big celebrations because it was a sexuality that was oppressed for so long and, you know, they just want to celebrate and, and do it publicly, but an SUP, like it's not, it's not outlawed. It's not, it's not oppressed. It's just a, a annoying and lame and a bit dangerous to, to surf with someone that's riding one. But I don't know if it's, does it, does, does, do they deserve a parade? I, I think about it this way. It's you wake up, it's a nice Saturday morning in Moscow. You got your crew of friends. You're like, all right, like what should we do today? I don't know, maybe you want to get hammered, dressed like werewolves and go sup down the river. Like, is that, is anybody going to say no to that? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I have, I have a bit of trouble with SUPs. I don't know if they've, I, I don't enjoy their presence. And so I, I don't like the idea of them altogether, unless they're having a, a big fight, uh, you know, like a, some would sort you, of, what's it called when two horses would ride directly at each other? And they try and poke each jousting. other. Jousting, yeah. I think if that was a giant joust and there was just one SUP person left at the end of the day, that would be, that would be, I would be behind that. But a sub joust event would be incredible. That would be great. 
You know, the, the first time I ever met Dave Rastovich, I was on a trip once and having never met him, uh, I would I just assumed given his, you know, his really ethical way of living and his, his priority around the environment and things like that, that he might be like this super, you know, careful speaking, diplomatic sort of person. I remember we were out there and it was a pretty pretty friendly kind of little reef break and there was a guy out there in SP, you, uh, what are they called? A guy out there in a SUP. And he just turned to me and, and said, don't you just want to like paddle up to him and go, oh, what's your board? And say, hey, how you doing? And then just rip his paddle off him and snap it in half and push his board in. I was like, whoa, <laughs> Dave Rastovich isn't, isn't, the, like, isn't the, the hippie warrior that you might think he is. He hates SUPs. Wow. That, I've, I've never met him. I would have, like you said, I would have assumed that nothing like that would ever come out of his mouth. That makes me feel better, actually. Yeah. I'm, always, I'm like, oh, should I feel guilty about... No, it's license SCP? to hate. I, SUPs. Yeah, I need, I need no further reason. And you know what else? He has a holy trinity of things he hates, which is great. It's, um, it's SUPs, GoPros, and drones. Wow. I, that's... I... You can't really point out a flaw in that, can you? No, it's, you certainly uh, cannot. It's funny, you know, actually George Greeno lives right near um, Dave and Lauren. Um, that's Dave's partner. And they, like, they actually, I think then their properties actually link up. And, like here in Byron and and, and um, George Greeno, I think maybe that's where Dave's hate started because George Greeno hates them so much. You know, he's his, he's his ocean inventor and he actually thinks they should be classified as vessels given their size and they shouldn't be follow the same maritime law as surfboards. They should have to be licensed. They should have to be a certain distance from people. And he got, he went deep on it. Well, well, first of all, Dave Rostovich and George Reno living next to each other is just the most fire and bait thing I've ever heard. My fucking, just this place doesn't even sound real to me anymore. Like, yeah, of course, of course that's how that works. Um, but that's an interesting argument. I've heard of that before. I just didn't know it was traced back to him. Mm. But yeah, they're, they're vessels. Would you, I'd be more into it though if everybody dressed like werewolves doing it. I feel like if you had to dress like a werewolf. That's a different thing. That is I'm 100% down with that. I think just if you're a listener and maybe, you know, you, maybe you have one. Uh, just know that even Dave Rostovich hates you. <laughs> and also that uh, dress like a werewolf and nobody will hate you anymore. <laughs> All right. I've got a story that I think should be very close and personal to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Right now, as we speak, there is a fundraising party happening for a CS Challenger Series campaign, which is huge. It's huge. Can you explain this? Because I, I hadn't heard of this until I, I noticed it on the site and I, I didn't really get, I still haven't got my head around this. So, there's a competitor who has a Kickstarter that is trying to raise money for his dream to be a pro surfer. Is that right? That's correct. And that's not, that's not the first time that's been done. Like I've seen different iterations of that over the years mm. and it's, it's a thing that happens. What's setting this one apart is that not only does he have the Kickstarter, he's having a big party. Hey guys, for those that don't know me, my name is Barry Caprice. 
I am 28 years old and I've been a professional surfer for That's 10 years now. What I am doing is I'm having a, a fundraising event, which is a big party on the 16th of September uh, in Carlsbad at a venue called Gnarlywood. We went to check it out. This place is incredible. Um, it's really big, lots of space to dance. There's going to be cool bands, cool DJs. There's going to be some a roulette machine. There's going to be live art shows by Kano. But until the 16th of September, there's a lot of deadlines like entry fees, flights to be booked. My number one goal is to get onto the WSL World Tour. Hosting a big party, and like I said, right, it's it was September 16th, which is right now in California. It people are doing this right now. They're there enjoying this because think about it. Like you, you hear this, and you're like, okay, there's a party for a fucking QS surfer. You you probably paint a picture in your head, right? The more I dug, this is at like a proper nightclub. Oh, like no. full on nightclub. They're giving away a signed Mick Fanning board. They're giving away a signed Felipe Toledo board, a signed Nigel Houston skateboard. What? Uh, five free nights in Bali, five free nights in Costa Rica. And like I said, it's at this like proper club. It's not like a shitty dive bar where it's like, come get, give money to the QS CS guy. It's like a fucking loud techno music nightclub. It's fascinating. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of money has been invested into this this business model. I'm a bit concerned about him over leveraging himself and and coming out with less money than he started. Or has he just got great friends that are willing to donate all this stuff and the venue? Like, how does how does a QS an unsponsored QS surfer end up in this position? I would imagine that it's that it's. Okay, I don't think he bought like a board from Mick or or Felipe. You know, I'm sure those guys hooked him up. The five free nights thing. I was trying to look into that because I was trying to see like, okay, is there a company that has just surf camps there that he has a relationship with, or like, what the deal is there? I would imagine it's all been given to him. But <laughs> I just love this is where you've been doing your deep dive research through the week. He's trying to get to the bottom of this fundraiser. Hey. Well, like I, like I said, I, you picture it and you think it's at like a shitty dive bar and it's just a bunch of people drinking pints and just uh, on your way, good luck in the in the CS. But like to do it in a nightclub and give away all this shit, I haven't seen anything like this before. Isn't it funny? These guys go into so much effort to try and get on tour and everyone else is just quitting while they're there. It's, it's <laughs> I did so think bizarre. about that. It's so funny to me to think of there's so many worthy causes out there to donate money to and and i love that this guy's i love that this guy's chasing his dream i feel like that's huge and i would never you know i would never shit on that but i just personally could never imagine giving money to to <laughs> i've never even heard of him i don't even want him on the world tour he's not going to be a heat that i watch <laughs> like if he's not inspired his surfing's not inspiring enough to get him sponsored then i can't imagine that I'm going to want to love to and, and watch these heats. It reminds me of, but not quite as ridiculous as that guy that he put up a GoFundMe and he, all he wanted was $10 so he could make a potato salad and he ended up getting $55,000. Like people thought it was so funny that they would, yeah, throw down for him and he ended up, he ended up getting rich out of it. So uh, That's actually a thing, like <clears throat> I've done this a few times over the years, but if you ever have your friend's phone and it's unlocked, uh, I like, especially if your friend, you know, is 
doesn't seem to be in a bad position in life or in finance in general is to just text somebody that you both know that you think would be really funny to say, Hey, can I borrow 40 bucks? <laughs> and that's really good. Because <laughs> it's such an awkward one. Like, like having it to borrow 40 bucks and they can't be somebody that might think it's funny. You have to get somebody that's going to be like, oh, like, yeah, man, what, what do you need? Like, um, anyway, that's a tangent, but I like that potato salad. I, I think, I think we should just give this guy some potato salad instead of money. <laughs> hey, That's what I'm getting out of this. He's going to need to be energized for his heats. Yeah, that's what he needs. He needs to win some heats and he needs some potato salad to fuel those wins. Hey, I've got a question for you. So the, he's giving away free surfboards. Does that ever motivate you to show up to something? Is the chance of one in thousands of people potentially winning a surfboard that is not going to be necessarily the right size for them? That's not necessarily special enough to put on the wall. I mean, I wouldn't do it personally. No, I, <laughs> but I, I get why people like, I think there's enough people out there that assign Mick Fanning board. I don't really know what you'd do with it. Mm. Like, are you going to put it on your wall? That's a little bit, I, I wouldn't do that. Uh, you're not really going to just keep it in your garage, but like your other boards, I don't know what you do with the sign Mick Fanning board, I guess is my question. It could like, be more of an inconvenience really. Cause it's, yeah, like you said, the chances of it being perfectly your size are pretty low. What do you do with it? Like it's caught between keeping it with the rest of your boards or like celebrating it. But like, you know, I love Mick. I love, I love Mick. I, I would, I'm not going to hang sport on my wall. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't, you know what? I feel really bad. I feel like I've just shat on this guy's dream and his plans to try and achieve it. I hope he gets there. All the best to that guy. I think he will. Like you said, there are no pro surfers left in the world. Everybody quit. Oh, yeah. Um, and so he'll be on tour next year, I think. I think he will make it. I, I've heard of him. I think he's a great surfer. And we'll give him some potato salad. Oh, that's only the half All right. So I've been thinking about it. And we ask everybody for their surf sins. Mm-hmm. And I started by confessing one, but... Based on what people have been saying, the stuff that's come in, I realized that I went way too, way too soft. I've done much, much worse in my life that I didn't reveal in that first one. And so it got me thinking and I don't want to come off as holier than thou. I've, I've done some sins too, been a sinner. And so I'd like to confess another. I'd like to come forward and yes, I have some healing to do, Danny. All right, let's hear it. I mean, I guess you're hearing all these people offload their sins and you've seen, you're seeing how they benefit. We had Teddy, who, you know, who seemed to make a miraculous comeback from an impossible situation where he basically stole, painted a longboard and then threw it back over the fence a year later. And it, it worked for him. So let's hear it, Buck. What do you got? What's, what, what's another sin you can get off your chest? Well, just a quick one on that. Teddy did now send through the photo of the longboard. And it actually looks pretty good. I, I thought it was going to look really bad, but he did a great job of painting it black. Oh, so he, I he really... I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes it worse or better. That, that it looks good? Yeah, I feel like rather yeah. than he, just, he didn't do, just do some scrappy job because he, he knew he was going to take it off, the fact that he took time to delicately paint it and you know do a good job of it, it just, I don't know, it seems a little bit more... Yeah, it... it it adds a layer for sure. Um, 
I'll do a post on the site about it next week because the you know we have a photo of him with the man who's longboard he stole slash long term borrowed and painted black. <laughs> uh, we have a photo of the board. We have we can really show everybody what we're working with here. All right. But my sin, my sin. Kick it off. About 16 years old, and where I grew up, it's pretty much all beach breaks. Mm-hmm. It's all sand. And I was going to Puerto Rico with some friends, and me and another friend had already been there. And in Puerto Rico, there's a lot of reefs, and you know, with reefs, you get you get boils. But we were going with a friend that hadn't left New Jersey before, and so. The other buddy and I kind of get together on the side and we're like, let's fuck with them. And so what we did is we described what a boil is. We're like, oh, it's this weird thing on the surface that kind of looks like a bubble. Like it's weird. Like the water is kind of still, even if it's windy. Like just be really careful about them when we're there because like you can get, like you can drown. Like we told them that if you go in or near one, it'll suck you down and hold you to the bottom of the ocean and that like, it's really hard to get out of like, and they have varying strength made up this whole thing. And he's buying it. Okay. Like he's buying it. He's, he's fully in it. This is like, the internet existed, but like nobody, this wasn't an era where people just like Google any single question they had. Like if you typed in this, Oh, the other component here is we call it trough instead of a boil uh, to really, I don't know why we did that. I guess it was kind of unnecessary, but we thought it was funny. Uh, We get on the trip and he is fucking terrified of these things, rightfully so. He thinks he's going to die if he goes near one. And so there's a ton and a few of the waves down there. He's, like, actively avoiding them. He's talking to people in the water about them, like, oh, like, be careful of that trough. And they're looking at him like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And I feel bad now because we didn't tell him until the last day. And we were there for, like, 10 days. And he was so angry because, like, you know what it's like to kind of have fear like you try to enjoy a surf but you just have this like lingering fear like <laughs> like he legitimately would have enjoyed the trip more if he didn't have to like constantly think about he's just on fear. edge the whole time the whole time man <laughs> um i i like you're laughing at it and like obviously for years i just laughed about it, but lately i've been thinking about it and like that was actually a really like it's funny for a day. Yeah. But to do it the whole trip was a fucked up thing to do. And I feel I feel bad about it now. There was something about when the joke's on you, how much it you know, you just know you've been on the outside of this like really fun time that all your friends are having and you're just the butt of the joke. It's it's a quality sin and make it public and, and receive some penance. Yeah, well, like I said, like, I mean, to your point with the joke being on you, um, honestly, like I said, I've kind of changed the way I think about it. But when it first happened, I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. For sure, the funniest element to me was the fact when he talked to people in the lineup, because <laughs> if, some, if some kid piles up to you with the fear of death in his eyes, pointing at a thing and calling it a trough, you'd be like, what the fuck is this kid talking about? And that was the funniest thing. And I don't think that made it better for him once he realized it's just how how kind of silly he may have sounded. It's a but great, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a great gag though because I remember the first time I ever surfed any reefs where there was any boil showing up, you're a little bit scared and wary of all the creepy stuff that's underneath the surface of the ocean anyway. And then when these boils are coming up as waves come through, it 
yeah, I would I would have probably believed that as well when if I was young enough. <laughs> so I feel like it's a, just a great gag, but you shall receive some penance. I, I think, I mean, I guess you can't give your own penance. So this one's kind of down to me. And I think another element to it actually is the, the, the fact that they're called boils and, you know, boiling water is dangerous. It, it all just, there's just something there about they're just all making sense. And on that theme, I, I think... I think your penance has got to be something around boiling water. I mean, I don't want you to like melt your face off or or anything like that with boiling water, but I do think you shouldn't be able to use boiling water for a time. I think for a, I think for a month you can't make yourself a cup of tea. You cannot blanch any vegetables or steam them or any of the other functions of boiling water. I think is that is that too harsh a month? How long was the trip? <laughs> Uh, it was, I think, like 10 days. Yeah, I think it's 10 days of no boiling water. Can I go like like close to boil or is it just no? Uh, maybe it's no, no heating boil. water. Maybe it's cold showers for 10 days as well. Oh, uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> That's even okay, better. You know what? Okay, I can do that. I can do 10 days of no, no. I did that. Well, I was able to boil water, but my hot water here broke for like, two months last year they just wouldn't come fix it at all ever um so i did that but through that time we boiled water for you know food coffee all that but okay that's her am i allowed to go out and get a coffee yeah i think that's fine it's just it's just water. your own it's your own boiling at home your own water heating at home i think that's a fair penance i agree that is fair that and that i'll think about what I've done, it'll remind me constantly mm-hmm. and that will be the way that I heal. You must suffer in order to, in order to heal. Ah! All right, Buck. Well, that is another round of the weekly surf news with Big Dick Power Surfer. Please submit any of your surf sins that you may have. Send them through as on a voice memo to myself or Buck. Our emails are in the episode description, danny at stabmag.com or buck at stabmag.com and... Yeah, feel better about yourself. Don't carry it around anymore. Vent it. Yeah, keep an eye out too if you want to. Uh, if you want to see Teddy's board, like I said, the paint job wasn't bad, but we'll have a post going next week. Be sure to check out everything we got going on in premium as well. We've got a deep dive into Gabe's title year that Jed Smith wrote. It's through the eyes of his coach Andy King. That's a great read. We've got some more WSL finals uh, follow-ups coming. We had a girl from New York who's never watched surfing before cover it for us. That'll be really interesting, outside of you. That drops this weekend. We've got a piece about the relationship between people who've grown up poor and people who go on to win world titles in surfing, which seems like a link that's on there. So keep an eye out. We've got a lot of really good stuff going. And on that note, too, if you missed Mikey C's recap or live recap of the day, uh, we had a live comment section going on there, and it was really fun. Thank you if you're in the mix there. I think we there's a ton of people, and it was a good time. And we're going to give one of you a surfboard for for having fun with us. So don't miss all the good stuff on there. Thanks, Buck. And now on to Mikey C and Stace Galbraith for uh, Stabcast, the currently untitled surf podcast that's been that way for a couple of years. Such a girly first name, Stacy, backed up by an extremely masculine second name, Galbraith. Is that German? Have your 
Have you got relatives that have been on holidays in Portugal, Stace? Thieving all the fiberglass? Hmm? All right, and welcome back to the Stab Cusp. That is the currently untitled surf podcast. Um, Stacy, we just came off the back of the biggest, most important surfing event of the past year, at the very least, or really the past two years, because 2020 we didn't have much. Um, holy shit, WSL Finals. What did you think? Well, I've got to quote Owen Wright here, and the winners won which I had to have a laugh at that when I saw that on his Instagram. And I think that that's probably the best way to describe it. I'm pretty happy to see that uh, Gabriel Medina and Carissa Moore are our 2021 world champs. That's how I felt about it. What about you, Mikey? You had a big day covering all kinds of surfing. You you must have um, really cooked the books after that. Yeah, I was, um, I guess for those who don't know, I was live blogging the entire thing basically updating our website every five minutes and, um, you know, just trying to kind of foster conversation and debate, um, which was super fun. And, you know, I was going between writing the story itself and getting into the comment sections where people were kind of leaving their own thoughts. And yeah, it was exciting, but oh my God, I don't think you're supposed to, I don't think your brain is supposed to like go that hard for that long. Like, I feel like in a normal day of work or whatever, like you have maybe a a couple 30 minute stints where you're like super locked in, you know what I mean? And you're super efficient and everything, but you just can't sustain that mentally. (laughs) And I had to sustain that for like eight hours straight and it was a struggle. But um, yeah, we got there in the end. And if anybody ever wants to read 57,000 words on the WSL finals day in 2021, they exist on the internet. So seek them out. Holy smokes! That's um some. Uh, you gonna do like a, a scroll copy of that for the for the hardcore readers out there? <laughs> yeah, check your mailbox. <laughs> it's in the post. It's on the way. Um, what'd you make of it all? Are you able to have an opinion on it after being so closely attached to it for eight hours, or is it all just one big blur? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it is a bit weird. Like my real impression above all else was that I just absolutely loved it like uh, I don't know it's also weird because as I was doing the whole reporting thing I feel like half the time I didn't even get to like watch waves live because I was in the middle of you know writing a a thought or a paragraph or whatever and I would be like oh so and so's up but I got to finish this sentence before I forget what I was going to say and then I'd go up and like watch the replay or whatever so um it would have been nice to be able to sit back and relax and just enjoy it But that being said, the actual like competition, the whole like specter that they were creating was unbelievable. Like I don't remember a day that fast paced of surfing competition ever. Like we've had, you know, even when it's like Pipe Masters finals day or whatever, like you're still going through rounds. It's like, oh, there's four quarters and then two semis and then a final. This, it's like a final every single time. And... Yeah, and the fact that it was back and forth between the men and the women the whole time kept it fresh because you're like, you know, you're going between uh, Connor and Felipe and then you're into Joanne and Sally or whatever, you know, and like, and then when the next heat's over, you're like, oh my God, Sally's back out there again. You're like, it just, it's so fast paced and so much fun. And um, they also just kudos to, I guess it would be Jesse Miley Dyer making the call, um, that day of waves that was the best i think i've ever seen lowers for like a full day of competition that was absolutely unbelievable yeah they made the call 
in you know extraordinary circumstances because I feel like if they had been able to run the day before, they probably would have because if you roll up to a surf comp and you see waves, you're very brave to let them go. But they literally couldn't see the waves because of the fog the day before. So a bit of divine intervention there to hold the comp off for one extra day and then just get lowers firing all day. Yeah, and it was also brave in the sense that they decided to start running this day when they had a bit of south wind in the morning. And if you know anything about lowers, you know that it it just can't take south wind, really. It just comes up the face so much on the right and just makes it pretty much unsurfable, which um, I think we saw at least one surfer fall victim to that in the beginning of the day. So they had to have a lot of faith that the wind would come back around, you know, out of the northwest, which is the traditional wind at lowers where it's kind of like into the left, but it doesn't really affect it as much. Um, And it ended up being basically clean all day long and massive for lowers like i mean obviously it's you know it's lowers but it was like people were taking off on waves that were easily double overhead consistently and if anything they weren't even going on the biggest ones and it was just so beautiful and blue and i don't know every time i saw somebody take off on one of those waves i got so excited just because it was beautiful looking and you just didn't know what that wave was going to have in store yeah absolutely we got to get into our side bet which i lost horrifically I believe there was two counting lefts ridden for the women and five counting lefts for the men. So I'm going to have to owe you some sort of bet there the next time I see you. But for me, it was the exchange of the event, that Felipe, Gabby, 8-5 to 9. That was that was unreal. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, almost shades of John Florence and Kelly Slater at Chobes where... You know, John kicks out of his wave and he's just ecstatic. He's like, I don't know how anybody could do better than that. And then Kelly's in the next one and he finds a way to ride on a part of the face that the foam ball doesn't hit and he's so high on it and the judges just have to give it a little bit of a higher score. Um, yeah, Felipe, I would imagine that wave would have felt incredible. Um, the It wasn't like he did like one maneuver that was unbelievable but it was just the way he linked these powerful precise turns together that like anybody who's not done that but done something similar where you just like you're in that flow the whole entire time and you're just pushing off the top and off the bottom just feels so good and he finished that wave after falling on a bunch of other lefts and he claims it and then I just imagine him popping back over the top of his wave and seeing Gabby fly six feet above the lip on the next one and you just have to freaking put your head down and shake it off. So I think we're all in agreement that Gabriel won that exchange. But after reading your live blog, uh, which I'd have to agree with you on that one, I still thought Phil won that first heat. I thought his rights were way better than Gabby's yeah. rights. Um, I've I've gone back and I rewatched it and I still generally feel that way and i've had a lot of people like email me or dm me or whatever friends and people that are just surf fans or whatever and wanted to talk about it and i've had a lot of people say the same thing and i don't think they're wrong i don't think we're necessarily wrong but at the same time i think that the judges got it right in my mind in order for felipe to win that heat and to win the title he needs to beat gabby beyond a shadow of a doubt because whether it's right or wrong, whether it's written in the rule book or not, like Gabby was in such a dominant position coming into this event that if the judges gave it to somebody on a split decision, it had to be Gabriel. And I think that that heat was well within the range of like it could go either way. 
and I think that they just have to go his way there. So I, yeah, yeah, I think they got it right, even if they got it a little bit wrong. <laughs> they get three. They get uh, three heats to then get it right, which then Gabby just activated again and just did him in two heats, which is gnarly to think about. Because if you listen to a few of his interviews, he, you know, and anything that ended up in the the surf world before the title went down, he was vocal about not loving the format just because of how far ahead he was. So for him to be able to drop that and then step up to the challenge and then just basically ice out for leap to love is, man, the guy's, as we know, an absolute Terminator. So I'm stoked he won and he did it in absolute style. Yeah, and that was the crazy... I mean, I, I actually wondered throughout the morning if Gabby was watching I just uh, different surfers and different competitors have different mindsets when it comes to stuff like that. Some people want to watch and be vigilant and be fully aware of what's going on. Other people don't want to get their mind messed up by what other people are doing. I joked that like I could see Gabby just sitting there and playing Fortnite all morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> like one out of just his general like confidence, like he doesn't really care, and two because maybe he doesn't want to see what someone like Felipe is doing because. I mean, I don't think it's any secret or debate, really, that what Felipe does on the face, Gabby can't really match, at least frontside. Um, like, the surfing Felipe was doing on the face, this is probably worthy of, like, a deeper discussion. I just, I don't really know if you can surf waves better than that, the way that he's turning that board. And, again, his board is another topic that we should discuss. But, anyway, my point is that with Gabby he knows in his mind that he needs to go out there and do something above and beyond. And, of course, that means going to the air, which he managed to do in both his heats, and it got him both wins. Um, and three of his four counting waves were on left, so you can largely blame him for your loss in that little side bet we had going on. Yeah, I can, and I will. Thanks, Gabe. Um, but, like, Philippe can do that shit too. So I, I just think that, um, yeah, definitely a bummer for Philippe there. I, I feel like he can match Gabe in the air. He can do just as high airs and as technical airs, and he's got it all. It's just... I know he did get a big score doing four turns on that left. I kind of think there's maybe an air in the start of that wave, though. I, I just don't think you're ever going to win a world title just doing turns. Uh, against Gabe so yeah I don't know if that was like a missed opportunity or not but getting back to Gabe he probably could have played Fortnite all day and watched because I don't think his strategy is going to change whether he's got Italo or Philippe Um, I reckon he was profiled them pretty similarly because they do surf very much you know all over the place any wave they can generate a score on so like you said it's just up to him to, to one up them and on this occasion he most certainly did yeah, um, there is one point of contention that I really had with the judges, and that was the flip. The flip really bothered me um, on so many levels. Like, I think the worst part for me was Joe Turpel's call on the whole thing. Um, you know, he calls it a Flintstone flip, which, uh, can you really do that? When first of all, like, yeah, Flynn might have been the first person to do a proper backflip, Timmy Curran did this exact air that Gabby did years before it. So it's like, if you're going to have that distinction, you need to be um, consistent with it, right? Like, because then you'd have to call it like a fucking Curran flip or something. I don't know. Um, Then Joe also went on to say that it's the best one that's ever been done. 
I mean, it was a small wave. It wasn't a big section. He didn't get that high. He wasn't that inverted. He held his grab through the next bottom turn. I went back, and in 14 seconds on the internet, I found a clip of Gabby doing a significantly better flip in 2012. Like, I don't know. So, and then, yeah, just the, the air itself. Like, to me, I mean, I know that there's a lot of whatever debate around this and flips and spins and grabs and all that, but, like, it was just a double grab. It wasn't that hot. Like, I just, I don't think you can go nine on that. Like, I get it that it's, like, this exciting thing that we don't see a lot compared to, like, air verses and straight airs and whatever, but... I don't know. To me, that one wasn't it. I'll play devil's advocate and try and throw some positivity at it before I rip it to shreds. <laughs> the best part about that air was that he did it at the start of the wave. So you, you got to give him credit for that. Like all the risk is in your first turn. And if your first turn's a backflip, then the, the score basically starts at eight and a half, no matter what he does after that, even though he doesn't really do much after it. Uh, it's still, like you said, that excitement is is definitely legit and the fact that you had to go back and compare it to one that's just on the internet that lives there says enough about that we're not really seeing them in competition that much which leads me to my criticism of it and that just because you don't see a lot of it doesn't mean it's good and i just think that like plenty of other sports around the world uh have used this as a strategy in competition over the years i know snowboarders who've done stuff that they talk amongst themselves they all know it's not that hard maybe it's a grab when you're going across a rail or something like that but it's different and it's not getting done that frequently so there's some excitement about it and there's some whoa moment um i often liken it to when a tennis player Sorry, Bobby, but I'm going to talk about tennis. When a tennis player and the ball hits the net and everyone goes, whoa, it's like in surfing, it's barrels, floaters, and backflips. Everyone goes, whoa, but they're not, <laughs> I don't think they're that good. Like Freestone would do one every day at D-Bar if he wanted to. And I'm sure there's a thousand other local surfers around the world that are the same, but they're just not that sick, particularly when you're holding the grab for, like you said, into the next bottom turn. So yeah. Exciting to do at the start of the wave, for sure, no doubt. Good on him. But as an overall thing in surfing, I can't really get behind that one. Yeah, and especially because there was such um, a stark contrast between that and the next wave that we saw immediately after from Felipe, which was him just doing the most corrosive frontside carves on this right. Like, just, ah, my God. Like, I don't even know, like, the sounds that came out of my mouth when I watched him do those turns were just petrifying. But like, I just, I don't know. I was so mesmerized by the way that he was turning on the face of the wave this day. It was like, it almost had the same feel to it as when he won that event at Snapper that first time. And the waves were a quarter of the size in that event. But like, it was still just the, the amount of torque he was able to generate and the tight pockets that he was fitting himself into uh, God, I would so much rather watch that, basically, and it kind of broke my heart that the flip got a higher... Score. Shall we move right along? Moving over to the women's side of the draw, one thing that um, the commentary team of Mick Fanning and Kelly Slater, who we can talk about them a bit later on, but something that Mick picked up was that you, in the modern history, you haven't seen the women have to surf against each other to win a title. Uh, there's been talk of surf-offs. They've been close before with surfers making semis and one making the final, but not quite getting there. Lakey's bowed out early a few times at Honolulu Bay and, and handed the title over. So for the women, all of them, 
to be in this situation, I think, is a, a huge positive for, for them as a sport. And, um, you know, surfers like Tatiana and Joanne, who've never been in a title race before, um, they're going to take so much confidence out of this, even though they didn't end up with the world title. Just the fact they were in those pressure cooker situations and they both made heats, um, you know, that's going to take them into the level of being not just another number on the tour. They've had experience that, you know, half that tour hasn't had now. So, yeah, I think that's a, a really awesome opportunity for them and uh, I think they all made the most of it. Well, not all. Um, Stephanie Gilmore put up her worst heat ever at Lower Trestles, three points worse than any other heat she's ever had in her entire career. I'm sure that stung a lot. Like I said before, she was kind of plagued by that early morning south wind and frankly she just couldn't keep her board in the water she just didn't have the weight or the strength i guess to like hold the fins and the rail and just with all the chatter on the surface whereas joanne who's a bit of a denser surfer and kind of lower center of gravity she was able to hold through it um so she came out on top there um and i also thought that like for me i thought sally um sally was surfing pretty safe like She's someone who we've talked about forever being kind of like, you know, just so close on the verge of winning a world title. She's got second a bunch of times, and I just thought she would come into this event fired up, and it looked to me like she was just trying to not lose as opposed to trying to win. Um, so, I, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed in that. The one surfer to me who really stood out that really looked like they wanted it and they were fired up and they were going to put everything into it was Tati. Like, she just went full bore the entire time. And she was literally, quite literally, one turn away from being a world champion. Um, she mistimed her last turn on a really important wave, and she fell off. And But just the fact that she beat Carissa in that first heat and got so close in the third, I mean, it, like, kudos to her. That was, like, a huge, huge performance. And where, whereas everyone else, I think, did not even hit their normal potential i think she went a little bit above her standard and like really went beyond um so yeah congratulations to tati on that and i think that what you're saying that confidence i think she's the one who's coming out of this with yeah I, it's a, a i agree with everything you said there and i think that the lessons though that you learn from potentially under you know under surfing are still going to be lessons that you don't just learn if you you know lose a, an event like they lost a title they all lost a world title that day uh, except for carissa but do you so, think they felt like that because that was not how they looked to me a lot of the women like and not and a few of the guys as well like they they didn't look like they really felt like they were there to win they looked like they were there to like do their best if that makes sense but not even like their best their best it was just like to put in enough effort to show that they were there and they tried but it didn't look like somebody was just absolutely like voraciously attacking that it event. might not have shown that way on the wave face but you could argue that's the pressure getting the better of people so look i i definitely think that everyone was there would have felt like they lost a title or at least they should have because the opportunity was there uh you don't get any other event in our sport where um you get told today's the one day you can win a world title it's usually a year-long thing as we all know so um that's yeah i can't speak to how they're feeling inside their minds but the the, the facts are 
everyone had a chance to win a world title that day. Yeah, but I think even the scores reflect it to a certain point. Like, the scores go up increasingly in the women's side from the first heat all the way through to, I think, the fifth heat. And, like, just the last two heats are flip-flopped. But, yeah, and I think a lot of that comes down to the Carissa effect, not just on the scores being higher on that end, but on what I perceive to be a lack of courage and confidence from some of the other women because I think they knew at the end of the day, it's like in a video game where you know at the end, like you can beat all the little minions, but at the end you have to beat the final boss and you almost like the whole time you're just dreading it. You're like, oh God, you know what I mean? Like whoever it is, whether it's like Bowser or <laughs> whatever, like you just know that they're going to pretty much smash you unless you surf or perform beyond yourself because in my mind, in waves like this, she is just that much better than everyone. Um, so I think that there might have been a bit of like resignation. And like I said, the only person who didn't seem to show that at all was Tati. Like she looked like she was there to win the entire time. Yeah, you, you're probably right. Uh, I'd say overall, though, the Carissa effect, you can you can feel that all year round. People step up when they come up against the champs. And I think, you know, Tatiana, it, you're right. She's the one who did the most she's the one who looked like uh you know she executed that on the waves that she was riding um maybe a few of the others got a bit buckled by the pressure but yeah and then i think the carissa effect extends to carissa as well which it would like if you were that dominant and you were clearly like the superior athlete it does this weird thing in your mind and i think it depends on what kind of person you are um but i think for some people it makes you feel like, oh, like it gives you confidence because you're like, I know I'm so much better than these people. All I have to do is go out there and be myself and that's going to be enough and I'm going to crush it. But for other people, I think it has this effect where it creates this fear of loss. People, you know, humans have a loss aversion. And so they go out there thinking like, oh man, I can't lose. I can't lose. I can't lose. Like I know I'm better than these people. I can't lose. If I lose, it's the end of the world. And that makes you surf at not your potential. And as much as I hate to say it, I was actually a little bit disappointed with Carissa's performance in this event. And obviously she still won because like I said, she is maybe 30% better than everyone else. But the fact that Tati got that first heat win and that it was so close in the others, I think goes to show kind of what her mindset was. And actually, I don't want to even make it sound like I'm just projecting into her brain because she gave us some insight when she talked about multiple times after the event like oh that's not how i saw it going like i didn't see myself losing the first heat and like i don't know in my mind it was like she was literally just there to protect what in her mind was hers and maybe rightfully it should have been maybe this whole thing is a charade but she didn't seem like she was there to go and like grab this win she was there to stand there with a shield and protect it and I think she surfed that way the entire time. And even Mick said, like, she, she fell on this one really good wave. And he said, that's the result of going 50% rather than 100%. Sometimes it's actually harder to take a step off the gas pedal and you need to push harder or else you're going to fall. And yeah, I just, and I hate to be so critical because she, her, throughout the year, she was incredible. Like she, she did that air in uh, Newcastle or Nairobi in one of the ends in Australia and like just had so many incredible moments she did great at pipe up until the final I guess and like she, she like I said she's the most dominant surfer but to me like when you look at the difference in 
performance levels relative to their skill level from the men to the women like the men stepped it up and pushed as hard as they possibly could and I just didn't quite see that with the women yeah I, I certainly think Carissa has uh, a power advantage there that she utilized um, but there's a skill in that too man like knowing you have that strength and still executing even to call it 70% that's still if that's good enough for you to get the job done and you're strategical enough to do that and that's how you play it out and that gets you the win well you're taking the trophy home and you can break down your performance later um, I, I agree with what you're saying on a few points there uh, I watched a wave of Chris's where it's kind of just cutty cutty finish turn uh, and her technique is so good that it brings the score up and her timing's really good but if she had that wave in a free surf, I guarantee she pushes 10 times harder. So, yeah, that's just competitive surfing, though. Um, yeah, but for her own sake, like, she needs to really take it. Like, yeah, she, you won. Congratulations. That's fucking incredible. Five world titles. She's probably clearly going to catch and surpass Steph and Lane at this point. Like, she's not even 30 yet, and she's already two events away or two years away. But she needs to realize that she almost lost to Tatiana Weston Webb. And that shouldn't happen at pumping lowers. She should be able to like grab that event by the horns and absolutely just like ride it into submission. And she was holding on for dear life. I agree with you on the day, but I would say, you know, Carissa's trajectory of progression, like you mentioned throughout her year, uh, I wouldn't be worried about her getting caught. Uh, yeah, she probably had a fair bit left in the tank of what we all know. But in those three 30-minute heats... She was the one that came out on top. So, yeah, I got to, you know. She can break down her performance later and we can be critical of it here. But she did enough to win. And you only need to do enough. And and I've, I feel like there's certain surfers um, over the years that have, you know, had success and, and, and not improved over their careers. And that's where they do get caught by a surfer like Tatiana who's obviously, like what you mentioned, going above their perceived you know normal and they're pushing the boundaries every single surf but so is carissa she's doing big airs in heat she's pulling into huge tubes at backdoor she's progressing as well i just think that on the day she did enough to get the job done she didn't like uh, do a gable or philippe on us and 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 do her absolute best but like i said she she's got the trophy at home and she's on track to you know like steph's not doing airs you know, Sally's trying, but she's not landing them in heats. Chris is pushing the bar yeah. for everyone, I think. Well, um, some other interesting things that I kind of wanted to chat about. One is Felipe's board. Um, obviously, he wrote a quad. It was also uh, an EPS board made by Dark Arts, um, which I just, I never, if you would ask me at pumping lowers, will any of the world title potential people ride anything other than a thruster in pu construction i would have said hell no and um yeah felipe completely he, he not only changed one thing but two things on his board that drastically affect the way that it performs and feels on the wave and um i think you could only say that 
the result was positive, or actually you could say for the most part that it was positive. I think you could pick apart a couple little negative things maybe that the board had its limitations on, but yeah, what were your thoughts? Have you ridden a lot of quads? Like, do you have much insight on this sort of thing? I've, I've flirted with quads over the years. Um, I love them in the barrel. I think most people do if they've ever tried one. There's certainly like something there that you don't get out of your thruster uh, a lot more speed they grab a lot more you kind of feel a bit more invincible in the barrel but on the face uh for me personally i think that i i like them on the face because i'm not a very personally a very vertical surfer i kind of go out and around a lot i like to get away from the critical section when i'm surfing so they kind of draw those nice arcing lines um and and I, I personally really 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 like them, um, but I never thought uh, to see a quad doing <laughs> what he did. <laughs> and I also like this is apparently the same board or like a version of the same board that he rode in the Lemore event, and it just is strange to me that you'd ride the same board at three foot wave pool that you would at you know well well overhead lowers. And and in the wave pool he also rode it I think only on the left. And in this event, he obviously was going right for most of the time. So, yeah, it's just pretty fascinating. And we did actually get some insight from Marcio Zuvi on the board. Um, that's Marcio Zuvi of Sharpie, of course. And he said it's an Inferno 72 model, which is what you rode. And again, it's almost like a small wave board. Um, it was 5.9 by 25.3 liters, swallowtail quad, and he was using the new FCS H4 fins. Um, so in case you're curious, and I think we're going to do actually a bit of a deeper dive on that board. We're going to be doing a piece on stab premium, um, because I think a lot of people are interested in what he was writing and might be interested in eventually trying one for themselves. So, uh, yeah, we'll have that story coming out. Soon. Yeah. I, I was blown away to see how, how well that board went up and down and, and like how he was just like lip sliding that end section, popping airs like normal. It was just, yeah, I think... You and I are in the same same category there. When you're watching him surf, it's just it's an emotional experience. He's just yelling at the screen, like, and then to see him tag that left as well. I know he probably had a lot of disappointment about 0.25 seconds after he finished that wave, but the the way he put that wave together and everything, um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, and I mean, even going back to his first couple heats, like his heat against Connor, he caught two waves, and like surfed them as if it was just another day at lowers like he needed big scores connor comes out of the gates and drops a huge score on his head and felipe one has the gall to sit out there for half the heat and then two decides to go for like a full rotation on the first like or i guess that was on the second wave but still it's just like oh my god like this guy is so supremely confident and i swear also like gabby he surfs so much better in heats than I ever see him surf in free surfs. Like, I don't know. He just has a different gear that he goes into when he wants to. And it's just like, oh my God, how is this guy not winning everything? Yeah, it, it's next level. I think, you know, getting back to the Mexico event where I was kind of scolding Rio for looking over the back of the wave to for then deciding whether or not he was going to do a certain maneuver on the inside, which we spoke about. Like, that's the attitude that I love to see of like what Philippe had. He didn't know what Connor did on that left. Uh, you can go the safety route and <clears throat> bank your 5.5 if you just smash the end section. 
or you can just put it to bed on that final section of his heat. There was like two minutes left when he caught that wave. Uh, you know, that's that's world title attitude. So that's the shit you want to see. That that was, yeah, that's next level confidence in yourself and your equipment. Yeah, bravo. And also, uh, bravo to Connor Coffin. I thought he served great as well. There's just the, the gap is a little bit... I mean, actually, I've seen some people say that Connor got underscored and maybe should have won that heat against Felipe, but to me, it's just like, fuck, I don't, you can't take that away from Felipe. Like, Connor's wave was great, but the way Felipe put together, admittedly, a wave that was half as good itself, <laughs> but just the way he surfed it, like, how do you deny that? Like, it's just a different level. For sure. I think Connor surfed better in his heats as well, or at least on the 8.5, um... I thought, yeah, he ripped that wave, no doubt. Huge score, um, but I can't, I can't see him winning that heat on two waves. But like, fantastic battle, and like, talk about a guy who had a game plan and executed. Um, he had the guy on the ropes, and Philippe's got to do Philippe shit to get out of it, and um, you know he did. You can't stop that. So, yeah, no, he, Connor did everything he possibly could, and yeah. talent won out, which is fine. It's going to happen. <laughs> you mm. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it just is what it is. Yeah. Um, uh another thing that was just a huge bonus that was just kind of like really the cherry on top of the whole day for me was the fact that they had kelly slater and mick fanning in the booth for the majority of the day just spouting absolute brilliant little tidbits on surfing and life Um, and we actually have a story up on the site right now that pulls all of their best quotes from the day so if you missed the event or if you were kind of half listening to it or whatever i highly recommend you go over to the site and read those because they're really insightful even after the fact um so yeah what, what were some of your favorite moments from kelly and mick well i got a quick question for you on that this comes from our good friend jimmy at the lipped podcast he seems to think that Kelly and Mick might have got brought in for a heat and then just left there because they were so good. Did, did you think that was planned that they were there all day or did you think it was kind of off the cuff? I don't think Kelly is the type of person that you can necessarily to get to commit to something like that, like ahead of time. I feel like Mick is much more, I don't want to say professional because it makes Kelly sound unprofessional, but like Mick is just from what I understand, like if Mick says he's going to be at a time and place, he's going to be there. Um, so I think maybe they had like Mick locked in and then Kelly just being the competitive fucker that he is. He's like, Oh wait, Mick is doing this all day. I'm going to come in here too. Um, so I think it was a brilliant little puppeteering by the WSL, um, the powers that be that just another big win for them that day. Oh, wasn't it? What? Like they were, they were fantastic in there. The insight, particularly from Kelly, uh, on equipment, you know, he's a big user of the quad setup and, and, and what he was able to give, um, as insights on Philippe's equipment was, was great. And, um, yeah, they weren't awkward. I didn't think when I first saw them in there, I was like, Oh, this is going to be a bit weird. Couple of the big alpha males, um, trying to, you know, offer up some insight, you know, and, and I think they really like Mick, I think obviously let Kelly take the lead a lot of the time, but the tidbits that Mick would then put in and then Kelly would run off with it. I think it balanced out really well. Like they're on next year, right? Full time. <laughs> I hope so. Um, which also brings us to where are we going next year? Um, the WSL has made it seem as though this event is going to be mobile each year. They think they want to change the location. Um, and we're going to do some investigating 
a little bit later on about where that might mean for 2022 and beyond. Um, one thing that I can drop here is that it doesn't have to be a split peak. So that obviously opens the world up a lot because there's only maybe three or four split peak waves in the world that would be viable. Um, so it doesn't have to be that. doesn't mean it can't be. Su- sunset, pipeline, and trestles? <laughs> sunset <laughs> only if you're Kelly. <laughs> or Andy. Um, but anyway, um, finals. Anything? Any other thoughts on finals day? I actually like, I have a thousand, but I think it's just too much for, for one show. So um yeah, anything else that you feel is necessary to touch on? Nah, I think we I think we we got across it. Uh, one thing I want to say that I saw on the internet was that Dave Proden confirmed that the event for next year will not be in a pool. It will be in an ocean. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, and it won't be at Lowers because Lowers is on the nah. schedule. For next well, you'd have to think that like the boat trip scenario is going to come back to life again depending on what kind of world we're living in. Yeah, absolutely. And can you imagine that? Oh, oh man. I mean, if Surf 100's taught us anything, it's fucking pre-record the thing and put it in a package. Who cares? Like, it doesn't have to be live. Who cares? I guess that's true. Yeah. There's more riding on this, though, in the sense of, like, you know, if, if a Surf 100... Well, I guess a Surf 100 winner couldn't get leaked because it's live voted, but... If something like a world title got leaked before it happened, that would be devastating for the WSL. Like the whole day relies on the um, pressure of who's going to win. But I also they've done um, live events from Indo. Like I think that they could make it happen. They yeah, do. I don't think um, it's it's like the location's a problem. They, I just think it'd be the ultimate package of of like viewing for everyone. So whatever way they do it, I'll be watching it, but like, it's sick. Yeah. And I guess we should state our stance on this and it's hard to actually have a full blown opinion on this now because of who ended up winning. But how do you feel about WSL finals day as a structure, as a format, as something that will define professional surfing moving forward? Are you happy with it or do you still kind of question its validity? I've got the most ridiculous opinion on this, which would just get torn apart in any kind of boardroom, but I'm going to stick with it anyway, because I know they have to set a date and they have to set times and structure to plan these massive events that they run. But I always go back to the year where there was seven people in the world title race. And that's, that's happened multiple years. Like I think Derek Ho came from sixth or like way down to win the pipe masters to win the title. So I don't like it being a fixed number of five. Um, Obviously, you have to set a number and five seems fairly logical. Um, But in my mind, and this is nothing to do with who finished fourth and fifth, but I just don't think the fourth and fifth best surfer in the world this year were... They weren't even two wins away from the best guy. So I'm just not too, you know, sold on that. Um, I'd much rather see the number floating and being like, okay, well, we've got, you know, this pack of run away with it, or we've got this massive pack of men or women that are all within a chance. Let's chuck them all in it and see how we go. So, but don't you think the format protects against that in its own way? Like, first of all, if four and five are truly that much, that far away from a title, chances are they're not going to win on the day. 
One, because they have to go through the guys who are actually in title contention. And two, just the fatigue that results from having to surf that many heats. Like, I, this is actually, for me, this is like the best thing that WSL has ever done from ideation to production. Like, I think the whole entire, the theory behind it and the way that the event is structured is absolutely perfect. And at least the way that it played out this year, like I could not imagine a more interesting and exciting day of professional surfing and a way to end the year. And it makes us have conversations on the back end that we wouldn't necessarily have either, which is like another layer of like fun for me. And I imagine for a lot of people who still are debating it, you know, on the internet. So I, I could not be happier with it. I think that it is absolutely- Who's been drinking right. the Kool-Aid, me or you? Maybe you're the mole. Maybe I was meant to, <laughs> I'm the decoy mole. I, no, I am, I get, yeah, okay, fair enough. But I, I try not to be anti WSL. I'm, I'm just pro competitive surfing being as good as possible. And this was professional surfing at its highest level being as good as possible. Like a hundred percent. This is like, this is the shit that everybody wants to watch. E anybody that like people can still have the opinion that like yeah it won't produce legitimate world champions and that's fine that's you can have that opinion but not a single person walked away from genuinely watching finals day and being a pro surfing fan and had anything overtly negative to say about it because there's just nothing negative at all to say about it it was amazing from that's because gabriel medina and chris and won no 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 because even if they didn't win the criticism would be on the format not on the day like you can have a criticism of the format, but you can't have a criticism. So what's your opinion? What's your opinion then of the format? What's your opinion of the format given the year and how it played out? Like I said, it's, it's really hard for me to give uh, a full opinion because of who won. But I think that the way that it's structured where the people who, if they want to come from behind, they need to do extra work. They're going to be more fatigued. Like, I think it's, it's genius. Like it, it, it all evens out. Like it all comes out in the wash basically. And the, and the way that I'm assuming this is how it works in the judge's mind, because it's how it works in my mind, that if Felipe wants to beat Gabriel, he has to beat him by a point and a half. That might not be written down, but everybody knows it in their heart. Every judge sitting there is like, yeah, we if, if it's close, the guy who is in first yeah, place. The, the one thing I love about it, absolutely love, is that if the guy in the best of three title match, if you're going to lose like that to anyone you know it's going to be to probably the guy who was in second or third based on what we're talking about and the surfer coming from fourth or fifth being pretty fatigued might most likely not make it all the way to the final so if you're losing it to someone it was the guy who was literally right behind you but i just think in this year like the uh, i don't know like i said it's a revolving door argument um yeah, I don't know. I'm just fucking stoked Gabriel won because I just I just think he he deserved it. He absolutely deserved it. Well, uh, outside of the finals, because our entire world doesn't exist within the WSL bubble, um, Stace went surfing. Congratulations, Stace. Thank you. Um, yeah, I went for a couple <laughs> of hot laps on the LSD hammer for um, the latest joyride. Um, I don't think I've ever thanked you for handballing me the Aussie half of these boards, so thanks for that, Mikey. Uh, but yeah, it's actually extremely embarrassing to um chuck up and edit like the day after <laughs> the world title went down <laughs> but I no know, i you, think you got more barreled than any of those guys yeah i i don't i think i had a pretty like the the kira waves in that editor i think i hope people see what a session at kira looks like as 
lots of fadings and lots of barrels that you don't make and yeah but it was good and the, the one thing about the board for sure like i'm i'm not a, a charger and i definitely didn't do a whole lot of charging in that video but i definitely had a few surfs on it where like you know big onshore marks i would not paddle out i'd be like fuck that i'm going for a, a beer or catch up with a mate or something uh, but I'm like, oh, I've got this board here. Like, what would Noah Dean do? Well, fucking Noah Dean would be out there. So you better get out there, you little, you know, beep. <laughs> yeah, and you got one at the box as well. Not to spoil it, but Stace gets a really good proper wave at the box, which uh, yeah, pretty much blew my socks off. <laughs> no, you would. You're from the East Coast. <laughs> Everyone from the East Coast charges. <laughs> um, so, yeah, t- so it's a step up, this board that you're riding. And any other notable features that you should tell our fans yeah i think that one thing i really loved about it was um you know sometimes you can jump on a step up and it feels a bit clunky but this thing for me once i got on the tail and kind of figured it out it definitely didn't feel like a step up and yeah had a few had a few barrels on it where it fit into the curve of the tube really well and didn't feel like i was you know sometimes out kira i'll just take a six four or something just to have that extra paddle power because you're essentially only going straight um once you're into the wave but then when you're in the the barrel you kind of got no room to move but on this board it actually felt like really really responsive and and um and then when i got it onto the open face and did a few turns it it, it worked really good as well uh in the clip i kind of talk about the being a bit of foam under the chest and i wanted to make clear that you know anyone that's ridden like a pizel ghost it's not like that uh, the Pizel Ghost has a lot of foam under your chest, but it's forward of your chest. Whereas this board, the LSD, it, it kind of has like a pretty traditional outline where the wide point's in a more traditional spot, more kind of under under your chest a bit more. And um, I felt like that helped with me and paddling a lot because I'm not the strongest paddler. So it's a bit wider than what I would usually ride in a step up. If I was riding a step up, I'd probably ride it really refined and really narrow, but this was a bit wider for me. So it actually worked really well. So I'm going to try and go a bit wider in my next few boards actually. Okay, cool. Good to know. Well, if I ever go to uh, the box, I know what I'll be riding. (laughs) Yeah, I got lucky with that one. Little, little chip in. Barely didn't even have to really do too much. The board did all the work, so yeah, I was stoked. But it'd be good to have you out here in Oz, Mikey. We need to have a joyride off. I think you would. Uh, Ooh, you, yeah, I've I've seen some comments yeah, about that. The people want the, the heat. The people want it. You would tell me. You've got good pedigree. Um, but I could just try and do the Connor Coffer thing and pick off the two best waves, and hopefully you don't do the Philippe thing, and we're good. <laughs> all right. Well, um, yeah. We will have to do that within hopefully the next calendar year. You'd have to think that we'll be able to move around at that point. Mm. Um, but until then, we've been on here for a while. Um, I, I don't even think Danny's listening anymore. So is it time that we is it time that we <laughs> sign off until next week? Which I should note, uh, the U.S. Open is starting, and that will probably be a major topic of discussion for us next week. So uh, yeah challenger series begins straight into it if buck made it this far uh buck no you are not the only surf podcast that loves the queue we are the original surf queue podcast we love the queue i might even love the u.s open more than i love a title at trestles nah just kidding but i do love the u.s open it's an absolute uh show of of good small wave surfing so yeah i'm looking forward to it firing up all right well until next week this has been the stab cusp over and out thanks cusp thank you to the cusp team thanks 
to everyone else who's listened. Uh, we'll be back next week probably with an interview again now that the championship tour surfing is sleeping for a couple of months. So see you then. here with Bernie, the Salzburg stand-up paddleboarding champion. And today we're gonna teach you how to stand up paddleboard. Okay, so first we're gonna start off with the paddle. So when we're starting, obviously it's a little bit tall, but how tall do we want our stand-up paddleboarding paddle to be? It's very important uh, having the paddle in the right size. <laughs> 